Hello and welcome to Off the Bench. I'm Cleena Foley and this is a podcast about women in sport, which we hope will educate and entertain sports fans of all genders and ages. You can find all our previous episodes on uh, the podcast section, the link in offtheball.com. Uh, if you go in, you scroll down, you'll find Off the Bench and also on iTunes. I'm joined tonight by two sports writers in Ireland, Marie Crow and Sinead Farrell, to chew the fat over everything that's happened in the past month. And it's been a really exciting month with loads of highs, we think, for women's sport and also, as, as usual, lots of frustrating things as well. So welcome, Marie and Sinead. Thanks, Tina. Tina. Good to have you back in. Um, there's been some amazing stuff this month um, and some really positive things that have happened. And Marie, maybe uh, have you seen what the Telegraph in England have done? Yeah, it's it's really good. And I, I've actually been saying this for a little while that I would be quite interested in seeing whether uh, like having a women's sports correspondent would be something that would work. And in a, in a way, they've done that because they have produced a whole section on um, dedicated to women's sport and dedicated to people covering it. And um, I think they're going to do a brilliant job. And the thing that I'm excited about as well is to see our own um, Kate Rowan, who is um, she's flying the flag over there in the Telegraph and doing absolutely brilliant stuff. And she's going to be one of the people who's going to be driving this. And I think as well, she's going to probably bring some stories from Ireland as well into the Telegraph yeah, and yeah, and, and give some coverage to, to women's sport here. So I think it's very exciting um, just to see what they're going to do and the fact that they're dedicating resources. They've hired people, they've hired brilliant people yeah. and they're going they've, to they've, they've hired Anna job. Kessel, which yeah. is really interesting, the woman who wrote e- e- uh, what is it? Well, I always forget this one. Eat, Eat Sweat, sweat Play. Eat, sweat, um, so they've, they've hired her as a women's sport editor, which is the first time I've seen that happen in a newspaper. And again, as you say, they're going to do all that and I think they're probably going to bring uh, have a pull out once a month as well. And they also will have a newsletter that you can you can sign up for if you go online and sign up. They'll send the stuff into your inbox as well. Yeah, and can, so, I think that that you need that. I think that you need something dedicated. I know the Irish Times do it. Um, yeah, they do their they page do on a Thursday. Every, yeah, so like I, I had a conversation about it on the paper review with Joe Malloy before about maybe we do need women's sport correspondents, just people who are dedicated to covering um, women's sport because it just doesn't get done. I think it's kind of as simple as that when you open pages and we talk about it all the time. We talk about column inches, lack of column inches, mm. and it would just be really brilliant to see um, to see publishers, newspapers, websites just having someone dedicated. And I think as the sports grow, as the coverage grows, um, that there will be, there yeah. will be. And, and, and I mean, it doesn't stop other people from writing no, about it. Not. It just means no, that there's somebody no. dedicated, yeah. interested and in doing it because they want to do it, not because they feel they should do it. Yeah, and it's like the argument about this, people saying, oh, why are you segregating women's enough I say we're not we're just giving additional coverage and we're trying to cover stories that don't normally get covered or don't get picked up or get, we hear new voices or hear new ideas and Sinead you work one of your jobs is with the 42.ie and they their women's sports coverage has is getting rave reviews really because you're online you have space and you're doing a really good job there so the Telegraph as well you think would be good yeah I may as well give Owen O'Callaghan a nice little plug obviously yeah. he won the 20 by 20 award the, the inaugural one the first um, they, they, they've, they've inaugurated a little me, a, a media award monthly for somebody doing a good job in women's sport and it was the story of Anna Bryan Anna Bryan yeah player. brilliant yeah. really well told yeah and it was great he did Owen's a great not job the only um, yeah. male in the in the first two who writes about sport Loads Ryan Bailey great job. does a great yeah. job Gavin Steve O'Rourke who has who has since uh, gone on to, to Pastures New he yeah. also wrote a lot about sport Sean Farrell and obviously Emma Duffy is Emma's you know myself, like myself does a good job in the boxing as well exactly Gavin, yeah. and like just on what um, Marie was saying about women's correspondence or women's sports correspondence I think in a way we nearly all kind of are because we're spread across women's sport if you write about women's sport it's generally not just one sport no you kind no. of are spread across all of them and I think it's good to have somebody who's 
delegated to look after that because I do see it feel sometimes it's an afterthought. Somebody else kind of takes it mm. on for a while and then it's passed on to somebody else and passed on to somebody else. And when mm. you don't have that consistency, it's harder to, yeah. Yeah. like you said, to get the kind of column inches more and ex- extend on the coverage. And I it. know even in here, um, they sometimes because it's such a male orientated career, there's so many men in the career. Sometimes they're so busy covering men's sport and they don't actually follow women's sport or they just don't know the stories. But I know mm. in here, if you say to them, look, this is coming up, they'll go off and they'll chase it up and they'll do the story. So it just sometimes need somebody to prompt them. Yeah, because it's a the big brief. Will do that. It is. It, yeah, it is a, a huge area. brief. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, and, exactly. and like sometimes people that don't cover it all the time, I think might feel reservations about putting themselves into it when they're not experts on it and I think that goes for you know We're sports journalists in general yeah exactly. yeah exactly so like that's but an understandable story, as we always say Marie a good story is a good story is exactly. a good story it doesn't matter what the gender is so the Telegraph have, have created this initiative which is really interesting in England um, we had we had uh, International Women's Day recently, 2020. There was brilliant stuff up online all around Ireland, really, and there was some good stuff done. Um, it's been a great month for women jockeys who don't want to be called women jockeys, but we can't ignore the fact that, again, there were, they had four winners in Cheltenham, and I think probably next year they won't get half the attention because that's the second year in a row that it's happened. And Rachel Blackmore obviously won two races and one of them was a grade one a 25 to one grade one um so uh that's been brilliant there's been a no loads of talk in the last month probably too about castor semenya about uh, the additional side story of transgenderism in sport it's not something we're going to talk about tonight because we have talked about it before but we'll probably do a special on it down the line so we're holding off as well because we want to see what happens in her particular case um but it has been a good month and it's also been the month listeners that the sports council actually produced their first policy for women in sport and I think that's significant I I mean I queried them why they've never done it before and they said well they'd enough to be doing trying to get lots of other things in Irish sports sorted out but it's good to see that they have one and that they've got a committee and I'm really encouraged to see um, some of the people on that committee including Lynn um, Cantwell Lynn Cantwell from Rugby and um, Joanne Joanne Cantwell Cantwell from RTE yeah (laughs) Yeah. the two Cantwells (laughs) and also lots of other people on that so you can go and look that up online to see who's on that committee but it's great to see um, that there's, they're now actually being proactive and they're looking they're looking for submissions they're looking to see and they're putting more money they're putting an, an extra million or half million I can't remember they're putting extra money into their women's sports side and they're going so, to have a, a women in sport lead as well um, they're yeah. advertising they're job. advertising somebody to do a full time job again that's really interesting yeah. isn't it so they're actually giving a job to somebody to work full time mm. on this and they've never had that before so it, oh, it has been a good month I think it's been a really encouraging month um, but then there's some things that sometimes make you just stop and you're trying and you go, whoa, we're taking four steps forward and two back and now we're going forward. So uh, the one that caught a lot of people's eye and it's just because it happened to occur this week and it's very timely is... um Tell us, Sinead, who's Taylor Harris and what is this big story that blew up this week very quickly in Australia? Well, Taylor Harris is actually someone I didn't really know until uh, last week, I think it was. And for all the wrong reasons, she plays... She's an AFL uh, player, Aussie Rules plays for Carlton who are in the grand final this year and yep. are playing Adelaide Crows who have Claire's Eilish Constantine in that team yeah, that's but right. um, Taylor Harris I think she's, it was the first goal possibly of the game she was taking a shot I think from a mark she kicked the ball she has a particular style it's a fantastic style yeah. I love the it the follow through is yeah. sensational it's a real punt yeah it's a real incredible. punting kind of style yeah. and a very good photographer I think the photographer has kind of been yeah. left out yeah. of this yeah. in the whole thing picture. took a really well timed picture of her at full range kicking the ball yeah. and I think the AFL or the women's AFL published the photo yeah. and just kind of 
it's just a standard photo of a player in action. And it just triggered this onslaught of really negative remarks Sexist. around I mean, the, horrendous sexual yeah. innuendo, awful stuff. But I actually haven't seen any of the remarks. I, I saw them. It. They've been, they've, I've seen references to mm. them and then they but got I think removed that's, very but, quickly. But, but the point I'm going to make is they shouldn't have taken them down, nor, nor should they have taken the photo down. Really? Well, because let's let's tell the listener what happened. So, first of all, the, the shot was taken. Now, there's actually loads of show, photos of Taylor Harris like this because she, she does this all the time. Mm. She has this amazing high follow through with her leg in the air. It's fantastic. And um, they, the AFL's, the women's AFL's uh, broadcaster, Seven, the big channel in, in Australia, they put up a photo and went, you know, fabulous technique or whatever, put up the photo of her. Then there was a slew of uh, beyond, beyond the line, awful, awful, awful comments. And their reaction then was to take down the picture um, so that they could get rid of all the comments, and then all hell broke loose, yeah. didn't it? Today? Well, they took they took, they took the photo down very quickly. I mean, it, it, like it, there was a couple of comments, and then they took the photo down. I I actually came upon the story after all that had happened. Yeah, yeah, so it was a very did. quick, very panicky act to yeah. to take it down. I presume it was it was well placed intentions. They were trying to protect her, sure. yeah. but. Well, you're not protecting her because you're just you're hiding from it, and you're and why would they take down? The photo. The photo wasn't the problem. The comments yeah. were the problem. Yeah. She felt that they, by taking down the, the photo, that they had taken away the power, her power, the power of the athlete, her voice, her image, and let the trolls win. Um, when I happened to cross the story, it reminded me of um, the time that the FAI women uh, stood up to the the women's national team stood up to the FAI because it was just one of those monumental moments that everybody yeah. stood up and said hang on a second yeah. um, this isn't the right thing to do this is happening we need to be aware of this and we need to know how to act and she came out as well and spoke and I think in a way like moments with like the, the women's national team you nearly have to go through these sort of um, monumental moments, times, occasions for the right thing to happen at the end of it and for people to know how to react and I think because she went through that um, it's never going to happen again. No one is ever going to take away the power from an athlete by removing their photo or um, and not make the, the troll suffer but for I thought it. was really interesting was I don't think that they would have taken down a picture of a man. No. First of all well, it's unlikely that a, a picture of a male athlete in some, some you know position that somebody regarded as provocative which it wasn't but if they did I don't think they would have taken the men's picture down. I think that's an interesting thing. Um, secondly, yeah, everyone said, well, my first reaction was, what are you doing taking the picture down? That's what's happened to women in sport and in history for years, which is if there's a problem, they're reduced to the sidelines mm-hmm. instead of leaving the picture up and bloody well monitoring your website and blocking these idiots mm-hmm. and doing Reporting them, yeah. So and actually, the, the, the seven actually then put their hands up, said we made a mistake and they put her picture back up. But I'm really interested in your reaction, Nate. You say you would have left the comments up as well. I would have left the, I would have left the photo up. Yes. Definitely. And oh, yeah, the, definitely. And, then, the and, the, and the comments as well, because this is the problem. This, like, why are we hiding from the fact that people will say things yeah. like that? Right, and so I think, think well, and it's leave and it up there, expose these idiots. Yeah, of course, they're probably it's all going to be under assumed names, and you can't. Yeah, well, I wouldn't give them the platform though. Like I think I'd block them if I could, because especially when she came out and felt that it was sexual abuse. Yeah, she actually went as far as that. Yeah. She, she regards those sort of comments as a form of sexual abuse, and she has suggested that the local police would look into exactly, it. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'd be. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be calling yeah. the police and them and saying, find those IP addresses and, if somebody and, feels and they're being they, abused. Sexually. And the women's AFL should be calling the cops as yeah. well in, in my regard because they just shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, so you'd have a different view. Well, it's it's just it's not it's like a thing of this idea of having like they feel like they had to protect her yeah. or something. This yes. like, this thing. It's not that mm. I'm supporting.
written down. No, of course you're not. And that's not what I'm saying. Absolutely. It's, you're saying expose Yeah, it's kind of let, let them really hang are. kind of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I meant. I'm not trying to yeah. promote people. Yeah. writing things like that oh no I know that um, yeah yeah but it's interesting that you say let people see how vile it yeah. is because we know how vile it is and we see it ourselves all the time we see these sort of stories yeah it was very interesting Marie she said that um, she said it isn't trolling it's a form of sexual mm-hmm. abuse is what she actually said um, which I thought was really really interesting and I think those people should be punished yeah and, it'd be, and you would hope would be somehow tracked down um, and you know, reprimanded. Maybe, maybe well, maybe prosecuted on the form of of something more serious. You yeah, know? because um, there has to be a deterrent for these people because yeah. they have the platform there. As you said, they can just set up their own account. You know, different oh, accounts. Fake accounts. And yeah. you know, it's it, it just shouldn't be. Um, legal that they can make remarks yeah, like that yeah. about a woman's body online. Yeah, and 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 interesting that that's what they will do with a woman's body. Really, you rarely see yeah. that happen. Yeah, to men. but like in fairness, now there are some horrendous things written about men as men well. And Maybe women, yeah, they are. like you know, I, I'm sure lots of you uh, saw the horrible things about Declan Rice, which went over the top about his yeah. brother who'd passed away. Like, horrendous like all of that is in the one box, stuff. and it yes. it shouldn't be allowed. It's personal. It's it's horrendous personal abuse. Yeah. But as I said, interesting that they tried to protect a woman mm-hmm. from it and yeah. she seems to me she, she has a boxing background as well and she was a boxer as well as an AFL player seems to me to be a very powerful strong woman uh, Really, inter- a few really interesting side things on it yeah. obviously it garnered loads of attention mm-hmm. for the AFL for all the wrong reasons but people were interested secondly people started taking the image yeah. and mm-hmm. selling t-shirts yeah. off it and then the AFL <laughs> said hold on I think she might actually want to copyright that image now and make something of it which would be brilliant yeah. in some ways and also the AFL because the grand final as you said Sinead is on this weekend mm-hmm. They're actually using it. They got a load of people in Australia, celebrities and other sports people, to try the kick and to try to get <laughs> mm-hmm. the shape that she makes. And they've got a video on social media showing all the other people trying to do it. So it has created a big conversation, which is really interesting. It'll but certainly be an iconic image. Yeah, yeah, that's sport. exactly what they're saying. Iconic yeah. image is exactly what they're saying. And it's, she invited people then to do it as well. And yeah. she, there was loads of little kids, and she picked a winner, which was great. Yeah. And there was this little girl who was amazing at it. Yeah. So it was, you know, we talk so about can't see, can't be. Yeah, and, and some ways as well, I think, you know, if you're smart with with, with sport and in, in, in media in general, you can also take something really awful and mm-hmm. use it really well. And I think actually that's what's happened with it. What I was interested in was I had actually previously to that found some stuff on, on AFL. Um, there's a, a writer I, I follow. There's a, a crikey.com is the website. And um, there's a woman who covers AFL on that called Kate O'Halloran. You can follow her on Twitter. And um, she had covered, uh, she had done a piece only a couple of weeks before that saying, you know, all is not great in the AFL uh, women's, even though this is the third year of it. This first year, we, third year we've had professional women's uh, game in Australia. And obviously we've had a group of Irish women playing it. You know, all is not perfect by any means. And in fact, there's been a row this week saying, is the hashtag, hashtag footies back has been doing the rounds in Australia. And people have gone, hold on, there's been footy going for the last month and a half. It's just women's footy. So men don't exclusively own footy now on a professional test. So that one I thought was interesting, Sinead, you know, some of the points that she was making. It's not per- it's not perfect. I, I, was, I was reading it and um, again, it, it struck a chord at me because it was like something that we'd experienced here with the women's national yeah, team because yeah. there was a one instance when the lights weren't turned on, on for games and they hadn't budgeted for lights yeah. I mean basic things and like while these things like it's only in its infancy and it's going to take a little bit of time to sort itself out which yeah. is fair enough but I think it'll get to the stage where these are strong women and they're going to be able to take control of their sport and that they will drive it to, to 
drive it in the right direction yeah. and they're going to have to go through these teething problems obviously some of them are, are pretty horrendous like the lights um, and shortening the season and things like that yeah, but there's been lots of rows. they're expanding it to more teams next year so there yeah, has been, there been ongoing te- rows about where is it going and how it's going so it'd be, it's very interesting if you follow AFL just to keep an eye and see where it's going and well, Gina, the criticism like there was some of the some of the criticisms of the game as well I yeah. just again we you know it's the argument like trying to compare the men's game yeah, to the women's game classic. like I'm it's saying. it's so it's such a lazy um, a lazy comparison because you know they're not the same games and they never will be and, and trying to say it's uh, one of the comments was that it was like watching the men's game in slow motion yeah I mean there was a very it, the, the incident Marie's talking about was a very interesting one that's happened again in the last few weeks Mick Malthouse who actually managed the international the Aussie international rules team in Ireland twice 2008 and 2010 and is a very abrasive character he was on stage at a, at a chat uh, with a with a, an, an AFL women's player Moana Hope and Jason Ackermanis the famous Jason Ackermanis who people in Ireland would know of as well and he, he said Malthouse said um, it's too rough he wants, he said I'd modify the games shouldn't have that form of tackling and I wouldn't let my granddaughters play it and Mo, um, Mo Hope was so upset she actually walked off the stage and there's a really good exchange with um, Sue Alberti on one of the Australian radio stations and Sue Alberti is a hero because she's one of the people who has led the women's AFL and she was like you know this guy can keep his, his opinions to himself but there is, so there is you know there is that real macho side over mm-hmm. there going it's not a game for women what are they doing trying to play it so it's not all sweetness and light and it'll be very interesting I think as the months go on to get the feedback from the Irish women who've been out there and one of them is playing in a big game this weekend isn't she? Yeah, Irish Considine she's a jewel star from Clare and she's with the Adelaide Crows she actually had a bit of AFL experience behind her she yeah. played with the West Clare Waves the Irish Banshees so she was used to kicking the Sharon yeah. I think yeah the Sharon is the college yeah the Oval yeah so when she went out there she went to an international camp called the Cross Coders Camp it's basically a programme an international programme yeah. they brought athletes from all over the world including I think 11 of them were from Ireland including all the Gaelic footballers and there was rugby players as well sports as well yeah went over went to a camp in Melbourne and different clubs came down with scouts had a look and I think Ailish was kind of yeah, sought after up, from yeah. pretty early on yeah, we talked to Sarah Rowe about this on well, previous off the bench about her going over and why she was going over yeah. but, she's, but it, it, the interesting thing is the, the season has just finished it's just climaxing and they're all home except Claire Constein which I think is really interesting because she was probably the least well known Irish player going over yeah but yeah. she's ended up now playing in the final. I think um, they sent in one of their best players or something to, uh, to convince her to sign. Really? I think, I yeah. think so. Yeah, she they were, they very were really, well. really eager to get yeah, her. Now, really she was dropped for one of the rounds during the season. Yeah. You know, but she's she, in a team of superstars. She, yeah, she's in a very good team. team. And she yeah. scored three goals in the yeah. last two weeks. She went she into the top three. Well. So that has yeah. helped her have a longer season than everybody else, mm-hmm. but also, too, has been an amazing experience to be playing at that, yeah. you know, that really top and team. Kleena, it's no surprise that she's adapted so well, like sister of Emer Considine, yeah. who changed from Gaelic football and camogie to, to, rugby. to international rugby, sevens and 15. Yeah. So, like, they're and clearly. One of the Irish stars. This yeah, and they're for, they have an athletics background as well. Yeah, they're brilliant athletes. Absolutely amazing. So, and they've. There's great, um, there's great genes there as well. Like there's a lot of famous um, footballers and hurlers. Gold Constantine used to play for Clare as a, as a cousin of the Midel Malone. He used to play soccer for Ireland as well. Another oh, cousin. Really? So they have all the, the they have the genes the there. Yeah. yeah. So it's no surprise. But well, it's brilliant to see her there. Yeah. And I think probably we're all going to get even more interested in the women's AFL next year because I think we're going to see more players mm. going over because the season is great. Season like is it's perfect. perfect. You can yeah. go, you can go kind of in the winter season and come back and join the end of the National League football 
all the women's Gaelic if yeah. you want to, mm. or else certainly be back in time for the championship. Yeah. That's what we're going well, to Well, the see. window of opportunity is kind of closing, though, a little bit, because it as could. the season gets bigger... As, yeah. the, as the number of teams as the Australian season it's opens to exactly that'll be really interesting now they probably happens. still have another couple of weeks yeah. to play around with but yeah. once yeah. it starts to cross over with championship yeah. or and even be, the few mm, weeks before championship be I don't think managers, managers will want here. Them exactly that's the point will, will yeah. Gaelic managers here be letting them off but it's interesting and it's, it's but clean isn't it great for them as well just oh, yeah. from the professional point oh, of view to have an opportunity amazing. to go and be a professional athlete and like okay they're missing out on the few months of Gaelic football but the conditioning they're going to be getting in Australia like you see them like we saw Cora when she came back Cora last year yeah. unbelievable and the training she was doing we saw in the documentary so they gain a lot interviewed Sarah Rowe about it she said that was exactly why she was going she wanted to go to find out mm-hmm. how much better could she be as a full time athlete and also to bring whatever she could bring from that back into her Gaelic so with Mayo so that's why I think it's a great opportunity mm-hmm. but and you know there can always be downsides as well On the, the comments about the game itself like it, for, I do know and it has come up a few times I do notice that a lot of people keep bringing it back to the standard of the games and it's almost as if every women's game has to be a cracker yeah. in order for oh, people yeah. to give it yeah. Yeah. some respect. Exactly. And this you know, is what and happens. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, you wouldn't mind going to see a crappy man's game. So why should it be any different? Yeah. And they're, and they're, like, and they're attracting and there's, big and there's, Every game can't be brilliant. No. Get, it's not, it's not realistic say, and, and not every that. men's game is And Clean, it takes time to change attitudes. And I think we've seen that, especially with maybe women's boxing, women's yeah. rugby. It just takes people time to yeah. get used to, um, to get used to seeing women playing it. And, when it's there all the time and they're seeing it and it's a normal thing then these attitudes start to change well, yeah. and, and people like Mick Malthouse is you know it, he's going to be like that that's his yeah. that's his modus operandi is to be hard nosed about everything but I think the next generation that's where the interesting thing is where, mm-hmm. where would the audience come from how will they grow it um, so that's really interesting and then what's been really interesting especially as well in the last few weeks is the size of crowds attending soccer matches uh, a sport close to your heart Marie um, um, we should tell the listeners you even have one of your sons with you tonight straight from the train <laughs> he's outside with his little boots on him Timmy yeah we um, yeah it's, it's been great um, there have just been some fantastic amazing crowds yeah amazing like unbelievable and it is um, it, they've been in Europe now albeit but still I mean it's women's sport and um, I go through a few of them just so, so people understand how, how big like last year we had 60,000 for one at the All-Ireland Women's Football Final record. Uh, there was 60,739 um, for Atletico Madrid against Barca in a women's top and really high, I mean, was the kind of the top two in the women's mm. league in Spain, soccer. Um, there has been in Mexico recently, there was over 52,000 watched a women's game between Tigres and Monterrey uh, in Italy. And the Serie A has only come in under the men's league in the last year, two years in Italy. Um, Juventus and for Fiorentina, 39,000. It was three times the previous mm. size of the crowd before. And what, what, what I think is interesting for us to look at is why, how do you treble your crowd? Mm. How are they doing that? And Susie Rack, who we're always saying is a great um, soccer writer, and particularly on women's soccer in, um, in The Guardian, she, she interviewed a Spanish journalist to find out how did they get this 60,000. I thought what she had was to say was very interesting. Yeah, I think, Kleena, the thing the, that I took away from that it was that they've just made it really accessible. Um, they have made it like not expensive for people to go. They're giving yeah. them a really good match day experience. Yeah. They're promoting the game like at every opportunity on buses, on billboards. Well, that's the thing. Isn't and that amazing? Yeah, yeah, like nobody has to go looking for information. It's right to there. Find out where is it on? When is it on? Exactly. It's in their, their biggest stadiums. Um, 
as I said, like when it's when something isn't that expensive as well, like especially I think a lot of the people going are going to be bringing families. And when you can bring your family to a huge event in a big stadium and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, yeah. you're you're going to go. And then you get into the habit of going and you want to go all the time. And, yeah, it's, and you see a player that you like and you want yeah, to go back to see And them. you want to know about them and you're seeing them on billboards yeah. and you're seeing them on buses. And yeah. like it's... it's really, I'll just explain to people too, that's really interesting. I think really that thing about the billboards and the buses. They had buses in circulation in Madrid with the women's faces on them rather like probably the little one here and they did signings in the club store with the players they gave away free tickets but actually uh, something like 44% bought their tickets and the tickets were between 5 and 10 euro and as you say to get the chance to go to a major Mm -hmm. stadium for that price for a match with your family, it's something you can't do sometimes yeah. with men's games. That attra- that builds an audience. For the one initially, they gave free tickets, but you had to reserve mm-hmm. them beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I've always said this: why not give away tickets? Yeah. If you give them, if you do a schools program or you build it up that way, give free tickets sometimes. If there's room to take them, why not? And yeah. and as well, can people have to know that it's on? I know it's only yeah. the simplest. Yeah. It's yeah. the simplest thing. But like when you're trying to plan things and organize your days out with your family, you need to know what's on, where it's going to, yeah. you know, the logistics, how to get there, and. and and when it's on a big stadium, it's um, it's so much easier. But it, this is reminding me of uh, Louise Quinn when she was in Sweden. The team that she joined when they started off first, there was two hundred people going to their games, and by the end of the season, they had it up to six thousand. And they did that by getting out into the community themselves, by going to signings. She said they had bake sales. They were going into schools, taking sessions. Um, they were just promoting the game themselves. They had printed little cards with their names on, giving them to kids. She said one day she even dressed up as a banana. You know, they were just <laughs> doing everything that they could to just to generate a buzz about their team now I know it's a smaller scale than having 60,000 people but it just shows like it's the same um it's about applying the same um, practices to, to whether it's big or small, just to promote the game. And, and like it's simple, really, I think, when you break it down. You know, sometimes people go, oh, that's ridiculous. Women shouldn't have to dress up as bananas <laughs> and, and do bake sales to get this stuff done. But can you see sometimes that maybe we have to be more proactive? Well, the players themselves, have, they are always the ones who kind of assume the control in these situations when they need money. Like I know when... Do you remember when the, the Dublin ladies, the um, they went on the Late Late Show and yeah, we found and out they had for to team fundraise holiday. for their team holiday? Yeah. I remember I spoke to Breach Corkery about that and that be, that was basically an annual yeah, issue mm-hmm. for them. Now, they didn't go on team holidays probably because of the fact that it took so much from them yeah, to generate to, the to money fundraise. to afford flights and wherever it was they were going. I think the only year that they really kind of went big on it was possibly 2014 and I think they went on a cruise or something and the management brought um, partners with them and they, I'm, I'm sure the players probably brought people as well and it's just, that that just gets draining if you can't keep doing course, that yeah, every single yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of, I know, and again sorry to compare between the men's and the women's but I know in, in GA the teams that get to Ireland finals they get a grant that that pays for their team holidays. Yeah. It doesn't exist in and ladies' GA. Exactly, it's a separate yeah. organization. Yeah. That that's a whole other yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah. Well, that's why that's where we're at. You see, we're yeah. so far behind in it. But it is interesting. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like twenty five years ago, when I started in this business, I remember going down to the, do the Kilkenny hurling final after they'd won All Ireland, and Eddie O'Connor and the boys were out shaking buckets. Back then, there was no sponsorship in the mm-hmm. men's game, and the men were having to shake buckets sponsorship can be the key to a lot of this and can drive a lot of this and also the fact that if you're paired with a big club as a lot of these soccer teams are well then the big Mm. club better get it it's time the big club got their fingers out now and tried to use some of their at least if they're using their marketing and expertise and and, uh, budgets 
to drive the women's game and as you say advertise what's going on it shows what you can do mm. yeah and I think they seem to be happen. doing that a lot of the big clubs it and definitely seems to be improving yeah, soccer and I, isn't it yeah like, and I, Arsenal is one yeah. like that we probably all know because yeah, there's so many Irish girls there but like yeah. what I love about Arsenal first they've they've dropped the name and they're yeah. just an Arsenal football club yeah. but second of all the women seem seem to be treated really well like they're training in the same place as the men they're like they're in the same gym they're on the same pitches they're eating the same food like yeah. you know I see Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe and they're coming out of Puma shops because they're their sponsor and they've yeah. got bags of gear and I think isn't that amazing it and amazing. when it, yeah and when it's the ideal for everybody yeah when the girls sign new contracts it's the exact same thing they're sitting behind the yeah. desk yeah. they have the pens in their yeah. hand Katie you know Katie just signed yeah. Yeah. New recently, year. they yeah. put yeah. all over yeah. Twitter this exactly week. so it's yeah. brilliant if, if people if you go in and look at Man City stuff they're actually doing one team yeah that's they've what done say, some actually. amazing videos where they've put both both the men's women's players and you see them doing exactly the same thing when they're winning the league cup or whatever yeah. shooting doing all that stuff it's one team it's and that you, idea of one team UEFA have launched their mascots for 2020 and it's two freestylers and one of them is a, is a female and she's, she's amazing, amazing. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get her actually yeah. I was hoping to get her to do a podcast with us at some stage I've been following her for a few years yeah. she's incredible oh wow like it's, she's it's amazing. just compelling viewing just yeah. everything that she does and like does she look like a lesser footballer than a man absolutely yeah. not she yeah. just she looks brilliant and she yeah. looks just as good as the fellow and, team and Shelburne as well they've, yeah. they've, 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 they've done just a brilliant they've actually laid out done yeah. this they have a programme yeah. yeah. and yeah. I'd say Shauna Cook is stuck in the middle of it I'd say probably um, and they have just recently announced they're dropping the reference to the ladies um, they're giving them equal access to a lot of yeah. things and what the they're doing as well is, is um, both as well. they're giving all the season ticket holders access to the women's games as well which, is, which again accessible a no brainer a <laughs> yeah. no brainer give them the ticket encourage them to go yeah. and, 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 and try and double up just yeah. on the point Marie was making about like not knowing when games are on I think clubs in fairness to them are getting a bit better at that they mm-hmm. are utilising Twitter in particular yeah. to tell people this game is on on such a date at such a time in such a place and this is who we're playing yeah that's definitely I think that's a great tool for clubs mm-hmm. to use but not every club uses it no, not I every team I, uses it and not every sport uses it yeah. I think a lot of sports are still behind on their promotion not just of the women's side but on the men's side as well and also the danger of only doing it on social media is this bubble you're only mm-hmm. you're only you're only, targeting you're only, tar- certain, you're only yeah. talking to the people who are already follow you whereas you want to try and create a new audience so you have to find ways to do that um, interestingly enough though it's funny how these things happen like England in, the English women um, are playing Canada uh, in a game coming up and the game has been set for Manchester City's training ground which only holds 7,000 and Susie Rack makes a very good point and said why not play it across the road in the Etihad that holds 55,000 you know do promotion see mm-hmm. how many more people you can get to that game and use it so sometimes that's what needs to be done you just need to be expanding um, and you need to push cleaner yeah. you need to you need, you need to, to call these clubs out and yeah. say look yeah. come on like yeah. I, I remember there was definitely a time when there was talk of taking the ladies all Ireland out of Croke Park, Park and putting them I think into Port Leash possibly was was mentioned at one point because they weren't getting the crowds yeah. and that like they could have and easily gone down that route but they've gone the now. other way yeah. and, it's and definitely again it's been driven by very good work being done internally by Ladies Gaelic Football good work being done with a good sponsor as well and and the evolution of social media which has helped definitely um, the Women's National League just to mention it the Irish Women's Soccer National League is back Marie and something that interested me about it was they're only back it's only just restarted hasn't it the season has yeah they're only three games in so yeah. it's very early stages and none of the kind of the big ones have, have met um, yet but um, at the moment Shelburne 
um, and Wexford Youths are our joint top um, and then P Mount are coming in third so right. and they've got a new sponsor which I noticed I, they have yeah and I was a bit worried actually that they um, when um, Continental Tyres was the was sponsor for a yeah, long time that's right. yeah. Yeah. I think they might have played their first round without a sponsor or was they, it just, just beforehand just like a couple of days minute, um, yeah, yeah the hotel minute. group have taken over so just beforehand they um, they announced that's that that's vital to have that sponsor yeah, I'd say you and really need know, it we know that from our side because we see the way sponsors now are pushing them to do more promotion yeah. work so it's very important so um, there are so women's hotel, national league games are there so yeah. hotel group yeah. I think is the one so those games are there at home if you're looking for them and you should be able to go into the league to the FAI website and find those fixtures if you want to go they're still around ongoing in America which is interesting in women's soccer you know they've had this uh, they've gone very far now I mean obviously the women's team in America have been have been uh, um, fighting for a long time for equal p- treatment in lots of ways, including financially. But they've now gone as far as taking uh, a class action, basically, against their own USA soccer. 28 players have taken this action. And it's interesting because the World Cup is coming up this summer. Now, what is fascinating me about it was, actually, by taking this class action, they can't go on strike until it runs its course, which is 2021. So they can't technically strike before the World Cup. But it will be interesting to see what happens. And anybody, again, you could follow that online. Uh, since they've well, since they've raised the issue about payment and bonuses and the ways that they're treated unequally, it is very interesting. FIFA have doubled the prize money for mm. the World World Cup um, for the World Cup this summer. It's this summer in France. Yeah. Um, that them, one of the one of their bugbears that American team was they were playing they were playing games on artificial turf. Doesn't happen anymore. And also now they're getting charter flights. Mm-hmm. They're staying in the same hotels as the men. So. Sometimes, as you say, if you don't push, if you don't, if you don't try and really get out there, not just players, but sponsors and everybody else who's involved, you don't get. So there have been improvements, but they, it, it's not going away, that story. No, and, and like you said there, Kleena, the, the, they've definitely, their, their terms and conditions, like just regarding their, their flights and their, their um, training access and all that have improved. But what it boils down to is the money and um, the fact that they aren't getting the same as the men. But... A lot of their it's a difficult one because their pay scales are quite different and the way yeah, that they are mm-hmm. contracted are different. They have different collective bargainings, which is yeah, the big things in America. Yeah. There's a different, and also the bonuses of the World Cup. There, the the money for the World Cup bonuses comes from FIFA. That's actually not USA yeah. soccer. And the difference between the men's and the women's World Cup is massive. Like yeah. four hundred million comes out dollars come out of the World Cup bonuses for teams in the men's game, and in the women's it's only thirty million. So there's we can see there the difference. But if the crowds are big and, and yeah. the rumours they're going to be very good in France this summer, it's going to be very interesting to see again how that will drive the sport forward. Yeah, I, I find it. I I just can't see them getting parity with the, yeah. with money. But I think if they could get to a place where everything that they need is looked after and that they are getting. Uh, you know, a certain amount that keeps them, you know, gives them a good living and, and whatever they, they need. But I just can't see them getting to the men's game right just right now anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it, 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 there is that commercial argument there. It, you know, that's always been the argument and it's the argument you're up against all the time. If you're not bringing in the same amount of money, then we can't pay you the same amount of money. But those American women are kind of, well, hold on, we've way more profile, mm-hmm. we win way more, we play more games. Um, and I'd imagine there's the, the participation levels of women's oh, in America yeah. and, they must, and they must be driving a lot of the commercial yeah, stuff for they US are, yeah, soccer yeah. as well you have to yeah. think they are 
um, just just while we're on it, and just because it's the end of the rugby season, I suppose um, we're not going to have a great detailed analysis of of the women's Six Nations um, and Ireland's performances in it. It was their worst in thirteen years. They finished fifth. Um, but I would send people, if you like, to have a look at some conversations that have happened. Um, I know in the 42, um, uh, there was a good piece with um, um, Lindsay, uh, Pete. Lindsay Pete. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you if you look it up online, Joe Malloy on Off the Ball had a very good conversation with um, Philip Doyle, mm-hmm. who was the previous manager of the Irish Women's 15s, and also um, uh, um, Fiona, uh, Fiona Steed. And they were very forthright mm-hmm. about, and if you really want to hear, I think, a good conversation and a good debate about what's going on and hear, listen to, as he's known as Goose, mm-hmm. the former, the man who, who led Ireland to, um, to uh, beat the All Blacks and to a Six Nations success, very interesting to listen to what he has to say. Um, he said one of his quotes, one of the quotes that I picked up on was, we built something brilliant and it's slowly being dismantled and I'm very annoyed. And he is seriously, seriously upset. He He feels strongly that sevens has been given far too much and 15s are losing out and like we've seen that you know where they've lost an awful lot of big name mm-hmm. players in the last few years so they have to be in a transitional state um and that will take some time to rebuild but what interested me and i was interested in your opinion on this england beat scotland 80 nil this year right their points difference on the six nations was 233 points i mean is that bad for the game and because they're full-time now it, does that just dishearten everybody else so badly or what, what What do you think is the right response to that? I don't think there's time for a transitional period first of all Kina because if a team is professional they're edging ahead all the time yeah. and France are semi-professional and have a really good home game um, I don't think we that the Ireland women's team have um, have the luxury of saying right we're in a transitional period we're going to build from the grassroots up and just from just reflecting on our conversation for the last few minutes it's hard not to be struck that did they miss their moment in 2017 after the World Cup that they should have stood up and said, wait a second, we need to have our our soccer moment, our American soccer players moment, themselves. the players themselves. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, there was, they, I think they had momentum. They had support. Uh, the stuff that was coming out of the of the preparation for the World Cup, everybody agreed. Did uh, that, yeah, Ruth O'Reilly came on she here had just and she retired was really and she, good. She had just she retired. Yeah, about she came it. on the podcast, and, and everybody was supportive it. of yeah. what they were saying. And I think that if they had said, "Wait a second, this isn't good enough," and we're going to stand up here and you know do what the soccer team did and ask for our, you know, Lindsay mentions training like an awful more, lot, and those all they want to do is train more, and prepare more better together. and better and better playing opportunities, yeah, more, yeah. more friendlies or challenge games. And like fast really forward two years, and they have gone backwards. Maybe mm-hmm. back in 2017, they they should have taken a stronger stance because I remember at the time there was a little bit of talk and there was a little bit yeah, of whispers that they maybe might, they might strike. Might come out, yeah. It was like but, it was on the cusp, yeah, yeah. Just but because of the issues that there was girls that were playing for the the sevens, sevens and they were contracted, that it was mm-hmm. difficult to do as a unit. But yes. now I think looking back, I kind of nearly wish that's that they had that's a very interesting point what do you think Sharon? I think there's a lot of truth in that I mean you saw how well things went after the the women's soccer team had their moment and what they did and how it kind of generated so much reaction to it if the rugby team had done the same thing possibly possibly they could and have and it is they, interesting they because I think, along, yeah. I think looking in from the outside and I'm not a soccer expert it looks to me as well again, again in, in the FAI the sponsors have driven a lot of it. They're they're driving a lot of the promotion of the women's national team now. They're spon- they're the, na- the main mm-hmm. national sponsors. Like, look, there's no there's no title sponsor for the Six Nations women. I mean, that is shocking yeah. alone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that shows you where rugby is in things. They don't have a title sponsor for the Six Nations, 
um, and uh, they they the sponsors that Ireland do have. I don't see them promoting women greatly. I see all the ads are all about the men's team mostly and it's hashtag team of us but it's yeah. not team of us. Yeah. And Tina, they're the not looking team. for like you know when you when you break down what Lindsay P talks about in that article from the 42 like nobody in there is looking for money or no. bonuses. All oh, they're looking they for train more and yeah. train harder. And mm. like you know just harder. be prepared better for major yeah. tournaments, play more matches, have better leagues, have more warm-up games. What she said about the clubs was really interesting that they only have to maybe step up for a couple of games and then they know there's going to be certain well, matches where they have walkovers and that does breed and that's complacency, complacency. Yeah. And, and, and also it, it just doesn't make you sharp and actually it's very interesting because Philip Doyle is, is managing a team he's managing Blackrock mm. in, in the AIL so he is in, he's in a position where he's seeing what's going on in the ground now back in the club game and that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying um, our national players get released was very, very little and they're not playing even at club level. So they're not getting enough no. games. So they're not getting better at yeah. rugby. And, and I really the recommend people to go and look at that. It, um, would, be, it would be uh, interesting, though, to talk to, to go back to the soccer team again. If you spoke to one of them, maybe just off the record, like tell us how have things been two years on well, within the structures you, I mean, are you, have you gotten yeah. they do say things are a lot better yeah, and, yeah but you can see it as well in the way that they're playing and how they're prepared and how they're set up and you can see it then like the under 17s how they're doing yeah. and the players that they're bringing through and you know how they're mixing the youth and, and the experience and yeah. you know they're you know the, the dream of a major tournament is very much alive like oh, you know yeah. it's, I mean, it's I, they're closer than they've ever internationals and um, I mean the way the way everything is done in Tala now and even the experience to go to a match it's a brilliant place yeah. to bring and they're going away on night. camps as well yeah, like they're doing they're, camps yeah. the they've way more home based training sessions like they were yeah. they were looking for there's more girls now playing in the Super League at the elite level you can hear Colin Bell and his words pushing the girls over because yeah. you know he knows that's where they need to be playing and, yeah. and it's interesting with the rugby as well that we see that our English, our players that go to play in England and Leah Lyons I think mm. is a great example yeah. of it you know you can see the improvement how good she's got since she went to play um, in Bristol so um, again are, is is there is there a cooperative thing going on with England? Look at Italy. How come Italy have got so yeah. good in such short space time? Stephen Abood, who used to work in the Irish system, he's working in Italy. Why don't they go and talk to Stephen Abood and say, how have you got your players so so good on their but skills Kleena, in you know the last five years? The, the focus on the IRFU isn't on the elite level. Like they're talking about grassroots, and what they seem to have missed is that unless you have a women's team at the top level performing well, there's nothing for these kids to, to aspire to. So if you're seven years old and you're deciding, or your parents are deciding for you, will I go and take up rugby or will I go and take up hockey? What are you? Go, you know, you're going to take up hockey right now because the, the you yeah, know we the know win- the hockey have just done so well. So yeah. you both like. No one's asking the women's team to go out and win, win a World Cup, no, but you want to see them not. perform yeah. well and, and you know, to be the, the players that young girls want to aspire to, these girls are the grassroots that will keep them playing. Yeah, I even look at them and think, like, their set pieces were really good at the beginning of the season and in the last game against Wales, their set pieces were terrible. Like, again, it's technical coaching. And also, I don't understand why in a country that produces so many kickers, I know it's a different ball and it's a different style of kicking, but... We need to have, and we should. You would have thought we should be leading the Six Nations in terms of kicking, mm-hmm. because and even if Niamh Briggs isn't involved with the national team, why not bring her in as a kicking coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's the best kicker they've had for years. Why not do something like that? Where's the creativity? As you say, where's the will to change? Yeah. What's going on? So it is. It, it seems like it's look, broken, Cleaner. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem good. And as I said, if people want to um, hear that interview that Joe Malloy did on Off the Ball, it's a really good one. Just look it up online. It was on March the twentieth, and it's well worth a listen to if you feel passionately about um, what's happening in Irish women's rugby at the moment. And speaking of things going a little bit backwards, I I was taken aback not by 
in terms of the hockey. So last summer we 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 make the World Cup final. Amazing achievement. Amazing team. Um, they've lost their manager, Graham Shaw. Understandably, I think you're going to get coached. You know, you you can be poached when you're you're good. Mm-hmm. And he's taken a decision to go down to New Zealand, and he's taken his family. It's a big life decision for him. But I'm really shocked at the fact that five or ten, whatever days later was it, um, we we hear now that the Olympic qualifying tournament, which we were told was going to be held in Dublin, the pitches isn't ready. There's no pitch for them in Dublin that will hold the crowd and, and, and have enough capacity for TV, and it's going to Banbridge. And to me, that's a retrograde step, and that's nothing against County Down or Ulster Hockey or anything, but I just think the bases <coughs> for hockey in Ireland are, are Belfast, Dublin and Cork. And just by making it... You know, people having to go up to the other side of Newry. I think Banbridge, I looked it up, it's 15 miles from Newry, mm. but it's on the other side. That will put some people off going to those matches. Clean, it's the opposite of, of what we've been talking about, about making something accessible to people, um, you know, making it convenient. And even for the girls themselves, like, you know, they had their hearts set on this game being in Dublin. That's what they expected yeah. when they did so well. All the talk was that they would have the, the pitch in, in UCD ready to go. So to lose their coach and, and then to be levelled with this other blow as well like it's not ideal for them bad. and we're uh, to, just to, for listeners we're not Dublin centric I'm from Nation Marie Sinclair she from Longford we're not this isn't about being Dublin centric I think it's just about being accessible mm-hmm. you know being a place where people can drive up and down to a match in a day and do it comfortably and bring their kids and or maybe split up and the family go some, mm-hmm. some of the family go do one thing and some of you go and watch the hockey it's just those international events are easier if they're mm-hmm. in Dublin in a central venue and they were meant to be in UCD and it just seems to me to be a big shame uh, the word is UCD didn't start the project in yeah. time there was a rumour that it could go to Abbottstown um, but actually that was never going to happen because what's been developed in Abbottstown is a training venue mm-hmm. for the Irish for Irish hockey but not a place that has seating and TV arrangements yeah. and everything like that it just seems to me to be a, sh- a real sh- shame Sinead a lost opportunity Yeah when you think back to 12 months ago and how well things were, you know, they had come out of... Like, for me, I'm not a hockey expert, oh, and gosh, I wasn't none of us before were. this happened. But it was, I mean, everybody got yeah. behind them yeah, in such a quick space of time. And in fairness to RT, I know they get a lot of digs, but they did, yeah, they did pounce on that, and they did it. bring it to the, yeah. the national audience when they were in the, I think it was the semi-final stage yeah. onwards. Yeah. And that, that really kind of showed it, showcased it to people. And you would think that there was ready-made momentum there that it wouldn't even really be that big a deal to have something like that seems to me like an easy enough thing to do to have a pitch ready on time for, yeah, crazy. for a game they knew they knew since October mm-hmm. that this match was this this tournament this first of the Olympic qualifying tournaments would, was going to be on next June and for some reason UCD didn't start the work on time that's what that, that's what is allegedly happened and that's why it's not happening if that's the case it's just a terrible shame for a team that are so brilliant you, you, they shouldn't be having any setbacks um, Arlene Boyles who was there as an assistant to Graham Shaw she has taken over in the interim but I noticed the job is actually managed yeah. it, the job is advertised so at the moment but, we but did, Arlene uh, Boyles said there but she will bring continuity and that's great and let's hope let's hope they arrive at that tournament as 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 ready, as prepared physically and mental and, and skill-wise and so, as brilliant as they were last year. But I just think that moving that tournament up the road to Banbridge, I don't think is good for the promotion of the game. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, the, in last week, in, in the recent weeks, the Munster School Girls Hockey has been streamed live so people could watch it by um, a company called Sporting Limerick. And actually last week, they, they uh, streamed two days of the Irish schools women's hockey. And that's a huge, huge bonus and a brilliant step forward. 
And so somebody there is looking ahead and saying, we need to get people to be able to see the girls mm-hmm. playing, get that access. And yet this happens. And I just think, I'm just amazed even that there wasn't more about it, that people, you know, didn't raise their voices and complain yeah, about that's, it. There's hardly been a murmur. Yeah, I was really yeah, surprised. That's actually very yeah. Yeah. Well. But it's, it's on just so as you know, and people can get, get in there and get looking for tickets. And, and if you want to go and really make the effort to go up there, it's on June the 8th. It's between June the 8th and 6th. Um, no, June, must, I think it's the 8th to the 11th of June and um, and the Ireland are playing I think Korea, Czech Republic, Malaysia and Singapore in their group um, but it's in Bambridge now so just be just know that if you want to go to it and get uh, get your tickets and get organised well, get I your sat nav ready it's not that actually I looked it up it's not that hard to find when we talk, we had a podcast just after the World the Hockey yeah. World Cup and I think we did mention when things happen like this when something kind of catapults into the public conscience there is that there is that fear that it can kind of flatline and unfortunately, this seems to have happened because mm-hmm. this should be more people should know about yeah. this. And yet we're only maybe yeah. kind of talking about it for the first time here now. Yeah, I'm surprised mm-hmm. that it wasn't a bigger story. And also, as you say, when uh, there's there's two opportunities as well. There's a great opportunity then to just drive the sport yeah. on, drive yeah. it on as quickly as you can. I just thought that was a perfect place to showcase that that, yeah. that event. Um, it's a G um, and we're 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 kind of. We're in a kind of a third of the way through the women's GA season. Um, so just to let people know, again, just because it's on, uh, the Camogie final, the Division One Camogie final is on this weekend. Um, Galway against Kilkenny. Uh, it's part of the treble header with the men's hurling Division One and the men's football Division One. So it's in Crow Park, which is brilliant because they haven't been played in Crow Park for last year. So that's a great opportunity for Kilkenny and Galway to get back into Crow Park. But uh, just to be careful, so as you know it, um, the throw-in time is twelve mm. noon because there's a treble header, which is very early for people to get on the road. But, you know, it, that's where it is and that's it's on. And the football season is... is it, it, There's still... There's been two rounds of the women's NFL I to go, isn't there? I think there's one, just one round to go and the semi-finalists in Division 1 anyway have already been confirmed and really there's no major surprises in the teams that are in the hunt for the last four. So the Brain and Champions, Dublin are there, Cork, Donegal and Galway. Donegal actually topped or are currently Donegal on top. Donegal have had of, a great season. Yeah. yeah, have had a really good season. It's interesting. Yeah. So basically the outcome of the round seven games I think will determine who plays who, plays who, who in those right. semi-finals. Okay. Um, and Monaghan have been relegated to Division 2. That's still their major yeah, kind of talking point a, from Division 1. That's point. a team that's been had been contesting oh, all Ireland finals yeah, in less than five years ago. Practically, nearly. yeah. And the Courtney's and those have made such a contribution up there. Yeah. But sometimes we know that with women's teams as well. Sometimes you get a whole group of people and they just get to a certain age and if they leave then it's trying to rebuild the team. So maybe that's Monaghan's problem but they have been there thereabouts and they've, they've struggled for the last couple of years as well which is a real shame. Yeah. They have, it's a huge yeah. history, fantastic history. Yeah, like and you br- said. They the, produce brilliant football. Yeah, like yeah. you said, the Courtney's, the McInespies, yeah, McInespies brilliant, yeah. brilliant footballers yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, they just haven't been able to, I suppose, generate more to come in yeah. and kind of continue that and um, yeah. but Tipperary have actually been doing quite well they're going to stay at, I yeah, think they're going to stay up in Division 1 they went up for the first time ever to Division 1 this year yeah and, and without Cork. Ashley McCarthy who went over to yeah. Australia to play so it's really interesting they're going to, it looks like they're going to hold on I think Division so one. yeah that's they, they bet Cork as well which is a big yeah, that's a big result a massive result for them yeah so that's good the finals just uh, just so as well you know well in advance but like the National League finals the Lidl National League fans aren't until the first weekend of May so there's still some time to go there and time to get some women's games Aoife Lane had an interesting piece in the Examiner as well on um, on International Women's Day. You can find it online, uh, March the eighth. It was, and it was just talking about where she sees she she feels that quite positively that the the GA could amalgamate with Camogie and football, um, and not have too many problems doing it. That that there's the will. 
the one club notion that there's there's quite an openness to it. Now I spoke to somebody from one of the associations um, recently and they didn't think that they, that was going to happen anytime soon. But it is an interesting piece to read um, if you're interested. We talked a lot about double headers this year. I was in uh, Park Talton last weekend. I went up because there was a double header and I wanted to see it. Mead played Wicklow. Um, there was a hundred people at, in the crowd before for the women's game. Now it built up gradually as mm-hmm. the game went on, but it is a shame not to see more people who will go to Crow Park to an All Ireland go out and support their teams in national leagues, and more people not going to national league games. There's a play, I spotted a player in that game, um, Emma Duggan, 16, playing centre forward for me. She is just going to be a superstar. Do you know, and like just to even to go to be able to see one player like that, to follow her now, I'll watch her for, you know, for the rest of the year. She was just brilliant. She's minor again next year. So it's just a shame. But the double headers, I think by the end of the year, I think it'll be interesting. We'll bring in some players and talk to them about have the double headers done what they were hoping they would do for them in terms of getting them more exposure and, you know, getting them more support. Yeah, I'd be interested now to hear that. Now, like I know that exposure and, and support are... Um, Two of the really big things that you'd like to, that you would hope would come out of this at the at the other end of it. But another part of it as well is that it probably makes it a lot easier for the families involved oh, because a lot oh, of the families thing. have, huge. you know, they support the men's and the women's team, and you know they're going to different sides of the county, and it's like it hasn't been fair, I think, for families who've had to choose between sporting a son or a daughter. McCarran's so, in Monaghan. Yeah, oh, so like yeah, I think that over the place. while we might not get what we want out of it this year, I think if yeah. if it's made it easier for people, at least we're kind of going on the right road, and if we can. Um, if we can keep pushing it then and in time you, and if you make it a habit and county, yeah, exactly. and county's yeah. accepted yeah. and next year they'll, they won't even query it they'll automatically yeah. raise the and they'll want to go and, right, they'll want to go and see point. it yeah yeah. we just yeah. like we're, we're, we're on the road now yeah. Clean yeah. Our it's, a start, it's a good starting point yeah. and those numbers will go up I mean yeah. you, like, you can't exactly have that the, the women's game at one o'clock and then have a yeah. league game in March when the when it's going to be getting dark you you can't you, there has to be logistical yeah, yeah. Ta- factors yeah. taken into it yeah. and you have to be practical about it as well but okay. they, it is definitely the right way I'm mm-hmm. definitely huge fan of right. double headers okay. I think they're a great idea well I think they're a great idea as well I'm just wondering how how will we see the improvement but as you say. This is this is the first year that we've seen lots of them, and let's see how much. Yeah, more well, this can is happen. the first year we've had, a, you know, more than just a few because oh, before yeah. it was just kind of patchy, you yeah. know, one here, one there. Whereas I think a lot of counties have been really proactive in yeah. co- talking. You yeah. know, the men's county board, the women's and county board, and division two, arranging them four, getting down the other groups as well. Uh, the divisions is great. And you see what else, Clina, as well that will come from this. I think in time is sponsorship and dual sponsorships yeah. and dual sponsorships. I think yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and and like having the the two games on the same day um, will eventually, I think, lead to that. But it's just going to take time. Yeah, and okay. if they are going to merge the associations, like good negotiation talks over things like double headers, yeah. form a really good, uh, a that, really good um, starting point does, that you can right. build yeah. on that, and you build relationships that you're not starting from. Yeah. A bad point that everybody kind of knows each other; yeah. they're a bit familiar, yeah. and it, it helps. I think kind of. And they're used to the logistics of the dressing rooms and all that sort of stuff as well. Really good point, Sinead, actually. And you're right, because it does lay the foundation there for for negotiations down the road because people actually know each other and help each other out. And it's not going to happen overnight. We're clearly not seeing in in Irish rugby at the moment. I think that's the feeling you get from looking in from outside. Okay, before we wrap up, we always like to do um, a couple of things. One is we always like to nominate, get each of us to nominate a hero of the bench. So... 
Um, I'm going to ask you, Sinead, who is your hero of the bench system? Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, women's Aussie rules this evening, so I'm going to kind of keep that theme going. I'm going to give it to Yvonne Bonner from Donegal, who's one of the, the girls who was picked through the cross-coders camp, and she played with the Greater Western Sydney Giants club, same club as Cora Staunton, and she had a brilliant debut season. I think she scored a goal nearly in every game. And I remember when I interviewed Courtney Gum from that club about playing with Cora Staunton and she was telling me if you score a goal in a game that's like the equivalent of scoring like 110 I know it's a in, massive it's, thing it's a huge thing rules, yeah. so for her to be uh, to be getting the, those kind of scores every week is is a brilliant brilliant start I'd be very surprised if she didn't get offered a deal again next year so very interesting because she's uh, her, herself and her husband or my, was he a boyfriend at the time they lived in Australia before and they came back and she told me before she at the time, you know, really was torn between coming and her staying. Mm. She loved living in Australia. So it would be very interesting to see what happened. But hopefully she'll be back for Donegal. We presume she, she we don't know whether yet, but she might be back to Donegal for in time for league semi-final. But she has always been, I mean, they're full oh, forward she's, brilliant. she's a star. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I remember but I spoke to her, to I spoke to her before she went yeah. to the camp, I think, actually. So right. this is back at the very early yeah, stages yeah. of, and she was excited about going and her attitude kind of was, look, I'll go and give it a good shot. Mm-hmm. But, Jesus, talk about a great shot! Yeah, like she's, she's been, been made her mark. And I know Eilish, and like we need to mention Eilish Constein is playing in a grand final yeah, this weekend. And, she's and done really well, well. and Amazing. so has Sarah Rowe has been really good for Collinwood. Yeah. Cora Staunton, she might not have been as as uh, prolific in scoring this year, but she's been doing really well with possessions yeah, and things like that. And she's the club, been and the club weren't necessarily doing well. And Ashley McCarthy then was the other one Western. So Bowl like it, it is very interesting to see where that's going to go. Um, so yeah, brilliant from from uh, Yvonne Bonner. She's she is a superstar and well worth seeing. When she comes back playing for Donegal, which we presume she will. My hero at the bench this week is not a player, actually, but it is the WGPA, the Women's Gaelic Players Association. And it's for one little small thing, and it's about what we talk about all the time about promotion. Um, they signed a sponsorship deal recently with um, Caracal. Are they, you know, the crowd who make the binding for your hurl? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? yeah. And so they've signed a sponsorship deal with Caracal. So, and their logo is actually, you can buy the tape for your hurl, um, which has the WGPA logo in it, which is brilliant. But what I like about it is it's, it's like it's so proactive. It's so practical. Mm-hmm. It, again, a percentage of the sales will go back to development work for the WGPA. That's the kind of stuff that I think more organisations, sporting organisations, aren't doing to promote their women. Like that's... You know, it's gear, it's practical, yeah. and it's just very, in, it's just very innovative. I'd say Gemma Begley was involved there, who's very good I on the marketing. She was, yeah. But it's just a very clever, really smart, um, and you and can, simple as and well. Simple, yeah. You know, find a product that links with your sport, and you know, you say, why isn't there? Why aren't the organisations, the national organisations, doing more of those mm-hmm. little sponsorship deals? So fair juice to WGPA. I think that's a really good one. You can buy them singularly or you can buy boxes of them in bulk for your club as well. So I think that's a great one. Uh, Marie, uh, you're hero of the bench. Yeah, mine's one that people might not um, know know who she is, but um, her name is Freya Fitzpatrick and she is a young footballer from Dublin, um, only 12 years old. A year ago, she was diagnosed with a brain tumour and just this week, she went back playing football for the first time with her team which is amazing but um, she's a big she's a massive Arsenal fan and always has been and Louise Quinn is a hero of hers so Louise has kind of been with her throughout this journey and visited her in hospital and um, brought her over to Arsenal to to meet her and to see her but um, I just think it's a lovely story and to see her coming through it and to see amazing amazing to see her playing back back playing football this yeah and even just the fact that football was such a big part of her life and just how she relied on that as well through her treatment you could 
could see like um, I, I'm friends with her dad and I'm friends with him on Facebook and just seeing the videos and how much football has, has impacted on her and just helped her get through this time. Yeah, I think Louise didn't she day. walk out with Louise as a mascot she yeah. for yeah, one of her games. Yeah, yeah I do Irish remember her now. Actually, have all yeah. been have all been supporting her her yeah. uh, her, her to her to her treatment as well. It's a great story. Aidan O'Darty, I know her dad yeah. as well because he was a journalist with me in the Evening Herald. Um, and I, the the women's team have been so proactive about sharing stuff about her and supporting yeah. her on their media, the Irish, the Republic of Ireland women's team. So it's been brilliant. But yeah. how amazing! Amazing, was that? like yeah, playing football. Yeah, yeah. Aidan had and a he had a video up this week. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Day. And I, like, I, he used to talk to me about her all the time in the office as well. Like how much of a big football fan she was, and how, um, how much of an Arsenal fan she was. And she was on like Dublin development team before she got sick and she was you know earmarked as been um, a kid who would hopefully um, go on to, to become an elite level footballer so it's just great to see her back yeah and great to see like I always say sport changes lives or sport can certainly help you through tough times yeah. in life and that's one really that seems to have uh, that's a classic example of it isn't it and do you know what Tina isn't it can't see can't be down to an absolute tea like there yeah. she had her, her her role model her idol and she was with her every step of the way yeah it's brilliant really brilliant story um, and, and continued good health to her and to the family as well um, just before we finish um uh, first of all, you can get all our previous episodes, as I said, on iTunes or on Off The Ball on their podcast link. You scroll it down, you find Off The Bench and go in and you can find them. Um, before we finish, we have to pay tribute and and say thank you to Cora Staunton and Alison Miller, who both recently announced their retirements uh, from Gaelic football and from rugby. They lit, out our, they lit up our lives, I think, probably <laughs> is the best thing to say, really. Oh, they were just amazing. And... I'd say they have inspired some amount of young girls who yeah. went on to play. Um, they've just like they just epitomised athleticism, sport, female role models. Um, just really amazing to have followed their careers and seen them in action, yeah. and to see them play at the top level as well. See them play in Croke Park. See them um, oh, play in, in World Cups and, and Six Nations, and see Cora have her, which she's still going to be doing her professional sport in Australia. Yeah. We've just been and, lucky and to see her. And she was, we'll always remember this because I always felt it was a watershed moment. She was the first Irish uh, team, female team athlete that had a sponsorship deal. I remember seeing Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a massive moment that that a female player was was taken on and sponsored like that. And and that had that open doors for it. I really believe that. As well, like I, I. totally admire the longevity as well mm. like to keep going and like the the yeah. drive and the hunger and and the determination just all of that as well I think it's uh, it's just, she's so, just so yeah. admirable and Alison Miller played 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 Gaelic for Leash as well yeah. was a sprinter could have done yeah. 101 yeah. things and did yeah. came to rugby late Sinead but what a player and um, what a talent and again uh, we, we actually had her in and you can find a podcast with Ali Miller in our in our archives as well yeah it's great it, like it's it's unfortunate the way both their careers have kind well, of ended yeah terrible is, leg break, yeah. She? yeah yeah even and even just within the team environment as well I'm sure she would have liked to have won another Six yeah. Nations or have or have had another huge, huge, yes, huge yeah. in that Irish thing um just um, just for a bit of fun because I know she enjoys it as well they give her a terrible slagging on the Irish team because she was so bad at social media and she never did it and she eventually got a Twitter account but there is a fake yes. Twitter account that <laughs> and it's fantastic really, we recommend that you follow <laughs> the fake Twitter account it's at Ali underscore insights and it's Ali's, Alison Miller's but it's really a fake Twitter account <laughs> and when, when she retired um, it, <laughs> she tweeted uh, Ali allegedly tweeted hanging up the international boots after carrying the team for years hashtag I am legend <laughs> It's just brilliant fun yeah. and um, I suspect there could be uh, an 
Irish rugby player with very curly hair that amazing person <laughs> yeah. behind it but whoever it is it's yeah, great, it's great fun and it's worth the follow so she's not gone to us we'll, we'll keep following Ali and Cora will still be playing with and Cora. Yeah. with Karen O'Connor as well yeah, she's not exactly. totally yeah. gone yeah. you know exactly. yeah. 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 yeah it's just like for years she was the only she was the only female sport like you said a female team sport athlete that people really knew yeah. in Ireland if single it, name is all yeah, you need yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. If but doesn't it just show as well how far that women's sport has yeah. come yeah. Yeah. because look at, so. look at us sitting here having a chat for an hour about all the, the great yeah. stories that we have in women's sport now yeah really yeah. great because for a long time when we talked about Cora Staunton it was about Cora as opposed to the sport because yeah. it would be about Cora mm-hmm. scoring yeah. 425 Something in the game yeah. and yeah. then that would be the end of the conversation yeah. isn't yeah. she great and then the rest <laughs> of the team would kind of get uh, kind of get forgotten about the fact that she's, she started playing when she was so young yeah. it was a different time then like no 13, 14 year old will be playing in the senior and, and, stage, and yeah. good not to be I mean that's absolutely yeah. right well look that's a, a good way for us to, to finish this, this, this one to say well done and thanks so much the memories to Cora and mm-hmm. to Alison um, thanks especially to Marie Crow and Sinead Farrell for joining me and also to our producer Raf Giallo until the next time folks enjoy your sports <laughs>